Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and please join me in welcoming our television and webcast viewers to today's program. My name is Jennifer Sloan. I'm president of the Canadian Club of Toronto, and we thank our viewing audience for being with us today. The Canadian Club has a long history as the leading current affairs podium in Canada. Led by a volunteer board of directors, we are dedicated to encouraging open and accessible debate on issues that matter to Toronto, to Ontario, and to Canada. Through our youth and young leaders programs, civic action diversity partnerships, accessibility commitments, as well as through our media partnerships and social media properties, we provide opportunities for Canadians around the world to engage with leading political, business, and public figures. Thank you for joining our conversation this afternoon. Before I formally introduce our speakers, I'd like to tell you about some of our upcoming events this season. On June 11th, Greg Engel, CEO for Tilray, one of Canada's leading licensed producers of medical cannabis, will explore what's next for Canada and how our homegrown expertise can be exported to the world. On June 16th, Music Canada's president and CEO, Graham Henderson, will discuss Toronto's position among the world's greatest music cities and the cultural, economic, and social benefits of a vibrant music economy. And on June 17th, direct from CBC's flagship news program, The National, join seasoned insiders Kathleen Monk, David Hurley, and Jamie Watt as they discuss one of the most anticipated Canadian federal elections in decades in front of this live Canadian Club of Toronto audience. For a full listing of the club's upcoming events and to order tickets, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. You can also join the conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLUBTO or by using that hashtag. I'd like to express special thanks to today's event sponsors, OLG, and in-kind sponsor, Cisco Canada. Thank you very much for your generous support. I'd also like to welcome Toronto 2015 torchbearers, Francis Atta and Amanda Martinez, as well as several volunteers from the Ontario Trillium Foundation who will be helping during the Toronto 2015 Pan Am Torch Relay. Welcome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I'm pleased to introduce today's topic, and the distinguished guests who are joining us in conversation. 49 days and counting. For two weeks in July, and then again in August, Toronto will play host to 7,600 athletes from the Americas and the Caribbean. The Pan Am, Para-Pan Am Games are around the corner, and Panamania is breaking out across the Golden Horseshoe. To whom do we owe the pleasure of hosting these prestigious games. The Honorable David Peterson, Chairman of the two, Toronto 2015, and the province's former Premier, 
has had a lot to do with bringing the Games to Ontario for the first time ever. It may interest you to know that Winnipeg has a distinction of having hosted the Pan Am Games twice, once in 1967 and again in 1999. But it was Mr. Peterson, he was in Guadalajara, Mexico on that fateful November afternoon in 2009 when the decision was made. Besides heading the Toronto 2015 Pan Am Games bid, his four decades of public service are marked by a commitment to positively impacting people and the communities they call home. Mr. Peterson served as a Premier of Ontario between 1985 and 1990. After leaving public office, he has served on a number of private and public boards as well as not-for-profit sport organizations, including St. Michael's Hospital, the Shaw Festival, and the Toronto Community Foundation. He is the founding chairman of the Toronto Raptors Basketball Club and the Chancellor Emeritus of the University of Toronto. We are also fortunate to have with us this afternoon Mr. Kurt Harnett. He is Canada's chef de mission for the Pan Am Games and a decorated athlete. The Canadian racing cyclist and three-time Olympic medalist first competed for Canada internationally at the 1983 Pan Am Games, placing fourth. We will begin with Mr. Peterson, followed by Mr. Harnett. After their remarks, our speakers have generously agreed to take questions from our live audience, which will be moderated by CBC's Peter Armstrong. Mr. Armstrong is an award-winning journalist who has covered some of the biggest events of the last two decades, including the tsunami and ensuing nuclear disaster in Japan, three federal elections, and the Sochi Olympics. Audience members, please fill out your Q&A cards on each of your tables, and a club volunteer will come around to collect them. And now, gentlemen, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is now yours. Thank you, Jennifer, ladies and gentlemen. So, the question is, why are we doing all this stuff? Why are we putting up with all this grief, spending all this money, you know, bothering people about traffic that probably won't happen, getting this level of anxiety up? And I'll tell you why. This is going to be the greatest event in the history of Toronto. It's going, to, it's going to leave a legacy that already is functioning for the benefit of our kids. Bruce Kidd is here, who's the principal of Scarborough Bruce. He's telling me the pools, the, the brand new pools, world-class pools at, uh, in Scarborough, 150-meter uh, tanks and, and diving tanks, they're all going with the community, high-performance athletes, the university students. There's a new velodrome that, that is to, it's to die for in Milton. We're going to whole new generations of athletes, new stadiums in Hamilton. And let me tell you, everything is on time and $56 million under budget on the capital. So you can say, well, we're doing it for the economy. Well, 
You know, it, it, the figures say it's produced 26,000 jobs. It will add 3.7 billion economic activity. We'll have 250,000 visitors. And that's another argument for a games of this size and complexity. But never underestimate the power of an event like this to inspire our young people to teach discipline and competition, self-respect, respect for others. And it's an opportunity to, to celebrate our diversity as well. But the most poignant phrase I have ever heard about sport is from Nelson Mandela, and everyone on our team believes this. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. Sport can awaken hope where there was previously only despair. It is more powerful than governments in breaking down racial barriers. It laughs in the face of all types of discrimination. That's why we're doing it. And I'm very, very proud to have with me today a number of the people that are making this happen. And particularly Saad Rafi, who's here, who's, the, who's really in charge of the games and doing a wonderful job, and many other members of his team. I'm proud to be here with Kurt and so many other participants in bringing to you something that will be unique in your lives. And don't forget, three weeks after these games, we're all gone. We'll never see the Pan Ams again in this city. But we will leave a legacy second to none. I'm happy to tell you we're ready to go. We're ready to go. We're on time. We're on budget. The facilities are there. The organization is in place. And we're going to be very, very, very proud for you to all come and participate. And one other person I want to acknowledge is Drew Fagan, who's the deputy minister who has really done a wonderful job in bringing all the government agencies in behind this, this games for the benefit of everybody. So we are going to be leaving on Sunday to Mexico. We're going to Tetuacan, which the Pyramid of the Sun. I'll bet you none of you have ever been to the Pyramid of the Sun like I'm going next Monday. And we are going to pick up the flame, the flame for the Pan Am Games, and we are going to bring it back to Toronto. And next Saturday, next Saturday at 2.30, that flame, through a process of magic, will come to Harborfront and alight on our shores to be received by some of the most important people in our country. And it will be received by Chief Harry Lef uh, Brian LaForme of the Mississaugas of the New Credit to symbolize our relationship with the First Nations in this country. It will be a dramatic ceremony, and we invite you all. And then we're going to pick up that flame, and it will be run through to the village uh, in the east end of the city. And we'll be celebrating many wonderful Canadian stories. And one story we'll be celebrating is the story of the Front Runners. Most of you probably don't know the story of the Front Runners, but let me tell you about it. In 1967, five young men from residential schools in Manitoba 
ran the flame from from Minnesota to Winnipeg, 800 miles. These five young men ran that for the Pan Am Games, then in Winnipeg, ran that in five days. And when they came to the stadium, they were not permitted in the stadium because they are First Nations. These stories have to be told and they have to be rectified, and we will be telling that story, and we hope to have some of those front runners with us on that occasion. Because the flame is a symbol, a symbol of so many things that are embodied in these games. It conveys a message, it conveys a message of hope, of optimism, of belonging, acceptance, and becomes the symbol of these great games. The flame, as I said, will be run to the distillery district and past the, the village. And there, when a true Canadian hero, one who has given Canada a whole new perspective on the world, Chris Hatfield, will light the community cauldron. So I invite all of you to come and participate in that first day. Then in the subsequent 41 days, and there's 41 days because there's 41 countries in the Pan-American movement, entire Western Hemisphere, will travel to 130 different communities in the province of Ontario. There are 3,000 young people and old people carrying that torch. You've already been introduced to Francis, Francis Adu, a remarkable young man who was born into tough circumstances, become a real community leader and a wonderful young man. And another one's Amanda Martinez, who, as as you know, is very famous, a wonderful singer, uh, co-chair of the Ignite program, and a wonderful human being. We are going to have the best and the brightest from every aspect of our lives in the province of Ontario carrying that flag, carrying the torch. And that torch will go outside of Ontario to visit a number of other cities as well. I think you will see a real concentration and intensification of interest as this torch comes, the symbol, as I said, of so many good things, and travels about and touches the people of this province. Something like 85% of the people of this province are within 50 miles of where the the torches will be. This is a massive undertaking, I should tell you. I told you 23,000 volunteers. We had over 60,000 apply. But it's a a collaboration of all three levels of government. I want to acknowledge this now. The federal government's been a wonderful help in this. The provincial government has taken the lead and done the sovereign guarantee. We've worked with 14 municipalities. And I've said to my friends in the games, if this country worked as well as we work together, we would never have a problem in this whole country. And I'm very, very, very grateful to all the people that have made this is unfolding towards a great success. Uh, the, we've had so many wonderful sponsors. CIBC has been our lead sponsor, but OLG, Cisco, Bernadette's here. Uh, all the people participating at so many levels to make this a success. So we are going to have the eyes of the world on us starting in July. July 10th is when the opening ceremonies will take place in the Sky Dome. It's being created by the Cirque du Soleil, the first time in history that the Cirque du Soleil has created a one-off program unique to us, never be seen again in history. 
We have seen the creative and it is absolutely spectacular. And I hope you will join us. And we will have the eyes of the world on us and we'll be able to show off our souls, our hospitality, our generosity, our philosophy, and the things that make us great in Canada and the things that we prize about ourselves. And one of those things, and maybe the most important, is our diversity. We have managed as a country to work out tensions better than any other country in the world. And that's why we are the envy of the world. And these games will be a demonstration of all the things all of us value and want to show off and share with the world. And again, let me just conclude by saying that these games are not a narrow, just an athletic venture. There's something for the mind, something for the body, and something for the soul. We will be having a huge cultural exposition in conjunction with this. 35 days, we call it Panamania. Nathan Phillips Square will have the greatest party every single night. Come on down there, there'll be medal ceremonies and bands and general carrying on and things I used to do and didn't admit. And the Pan Am Park and the exhibition place will have parties every night, so will the distillery district. We're going to celebrate with all of our friends that are visiting from all across the world. And so everybody in this province, everybody in this city and every visitor will find something to elevate their souls, something to be proud of, and something to share with others around the world. Now I'm going to do the most important part of my job is share somebody with you, Kurt Harnett. Kurt Harnett is the chef de mission. Kurt Harnett is one of our most celebrated athletes ever. He has worked tirelessly for these games. He's a mentor to young people and a consummate inspiration. The only thing I don't like about him, he's prettier than I am. Kurt Harnett. <laughs> What, uh, the little-known fact is that David was in, uh, in contention for that shampoo commercial that I'm probably more famous for <laughs> back in 1992. Uh, David, thank you for that lovely uh, introduction and uh, to the Canadian Club of Toronto. Thank you for inviting me and having this opportunity to share the stage with such a tremendous leader, um, a gentleman that has forged new paths and created new opportunities for the province of Ontario and this community of Toronto. Uh, time and time again, so thank you, uh, thank you, David. Um, Kurt Harnett, chef de mission for the Canadian team at these Pan American Games, uh, considered to be the lead spokesperson for that team. First question I always get asked is, uh, what culinary school did I go to? <laughs> so I immediately say George Brown because of that great partnership that we have, but uh, ultimately it's, uh, it's been uh, one of my uh, one of my day-to-days is explaining uh, the role, and that is that I have the great honor of leading this uh, team, a team that will be the largest team that Canada has ever fielded at a multi-sport games. We're fast approaching 725 athletes competing in, there's 365 sport events on this schedule called the Pan Am, Pan Am Games looking at 36 different uh, sport organizations, 28 of them full-on Olympic caliber with eight sports that currently aren't on the Olympic schedule. A tremendous uh, opportunity, a tremendous challenge, but a tremendous opportunity uh, for our athletes. 
um, time and time again with many commitments coming from the many sport organizations that make up the Canadian Olympic Committee uh, in through its partnerships, uh, looking to commit their top athletes, recognizing this opportunity, much of what David spoke to earlier is the opportunity for our athletes to have that home games experience, perhaps a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity ever, that opportunity to experience what it means to have the crowd, the stands full of Canadians or home country uh, residents cheering them on, the pride that we feel as fans of sport, and then the opportunity to expose ourselves to these unique sport opportunities. I've said this not just because I'm trying to sell tickets for the success of these games, but there is no bad ticket. If you've never seen a table tennis match live, you're missing out. Badminton, same thing. Fencing, exactly the same thing. If you've never witnessed this sport, of course, uh, an event or a sport that I'm very close to in my heart, track cycling, if you've never witnessed the speed that these athletes travel on their bicycles upwards of 75, 80 kilometers an hour, self-propelled, you're missing out. Not only are you missing out on that opportunity to expose yourself to what is Canada's greatest athletes, but you're missing out on the opportunity to inspire those around you, the children, the youth of this country. One of the great things that these Pan American Games are bringing to our communities is a diverse sport infrastructure. We've talked about this legacy. The legacy is now. Our national teams are training on these facilities today, making themselves better, better preparing themselves not only for these Pan American Games, but the Rio Olympics in 2016, the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. It is these opportunities that we are creating for our high-performance sector that is unprecedented. And people ask me, why did I get involved? That's the reason why I got involved. It's because it's necessary and it's critical that we get out and spread the word. Because it's going to be an opportunity lost. If you are not there, it happens time and time again. You may be, as David pointed out, you may be a little upset that the gardener was under construction as long as it was. You may have been in a little put out because you had to take an extra five minutes to get around through traffic in some sort of manner because of some construction project going on. But it's that investment and that investment now that will live and breathe and have an impact for generations to come. Confucius said, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, it's 20 years ago, right? When's the second best time? Now. And the organizing committee for Toronto 2015 and the three levels of government that have been actively involved in this planted some trees. And now we get to watch them grow and blossom. And it is my, my goal or my vision or my, and my desire or my ambition that the stands are full of Canadians cheering on their athletes. The road to Rio, as I like to say it, the road to Rio passes through Toronto. All of the top athletes that we are going to be able to witness live and in person here at home are those same athletes that we're going to be yelling and screaming at on the television screen in 12 months' time. What a tremendous opportunity for we as Canadians to come together and express our pride and encourage these athletes on to fan their flame so that when they depart Toronto and they start their final journey towards Rio, that flame burns bright 
because they know that Canada's got their back. That's why I'm involved in this, and that's why I believe that these games will be a success, because I truly believe that Canadians do care, and the opportunity is now. And I look forward to sharing that journey. I'm so excited for July 10th opening ceremonies. I kind of get a front row seat to that Cirque du Soleil thing that's happening. I am about sport, but I'm very excited about what these games have to offer to the variety of opportunities and communities in this region. It isn't just a sporting event. It's my focus. It's my, it's my, uh, it's my center of my universe day to day. But the social opportunities, the cultural opportunities that these games prevent in municipalities throughout this region, not just in the center of Toronto. The town of Milton. I'm, a, I'm an adopted son now. Kind of a joke that mayor of the town of Milton pulled me aside one day, presented me with a plaque, making me an honorary member of the town of Milton. And I said, man, that's awesome because that, uh, your residents at the town of Milton get a discount on their annual membership to the Cisco Velodrome. So I said, that's awesome. And he goes, yeah, but don't forget, we'll send you your tax bill in the uh, mail as well. too." So. But it's communities like that that are going to benefit for years to come as well. If you have not been to the velodrome out in Milton, I'm personally inviting you right now. It is a great example of what happens when you engage the community at the onset, as Toronto has done in this process. One of the sport venues that they were committed to as a permanent legacy is an indoor 250-meter world-class cycling velodrome. That is not only just that. Three full-size basketball courts in the middle are running track around the outside. Those three-size basketball courts translate into nine uh, badminton courts, fitness facilities. It's a true community center. A cyclist in the room, look at that opportunity as a, with the basketball players and some games going on in the infield, inspiring a child one day to want to take up that sport of cycling. And that facility is also a great, exa a great example is how the fourth community was engaged, and that's the private sector. Personal donations were made. A couple of the gentlemen in the room here today, Howard Chang, Paul DeVries, personal donations to that facility to make it happen. And that engagement is key because that's a long-standing legacy. These gentlemen are committed to ensuring that that facility succeeds after these games are gone. So I look forward to seeing you all out there. There's a chant that we have, and there's a mantra. One of the great things about this team, the Canadian team, is we've got this, this vision uh, coming forward. It's this concept of one team. It doesn't matter who you are, or where you come from, or who you love. We're all a member of that same team. And we've got each other's back. And there's a little chant that we're going to have forward. They'll go forward with this. And it's this mantra to help athletes center themselves. And it's on guard. It's a little repetition where we get to say it in your mind. And sometimes these games are going to be overwhelming. The Canadian Olympic Committee had over 900 media applications, Canadian media applications for these games, on par with the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. These athletes are going to gain unprecedented exposure for their sport. And it's that exposure that could come on with some daunting and you know, provide some distractions. So we're going to do, we have this little mantra that we're going to call and it's, it's on guard. And so what, the way we are going to work this in this room is when I say, uh, I want you to say guard. Uh, 
So pretend that you're about to take on the world's best. Let's put ourselves... And you're in a facility. These are your games. They're in your house, that facility that you have. This, this is our house. And these fans, this is our home. These are our games. This is our house. This is our home. Uh. 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 They'll work. I'll keep that one. But I look forward to taking some questions. Thank you very much for this opportunity to have the podium. Tickets are still for sale. I think track cycling, Howard, if not mistaken, track cycling, I think, is sold out too bad. But it's really... But it's really a tremendous opportunity for myself to get out along with David, and and I look forward to answering some questions. Thank you all for your time here, uh, but I do look forward to seeing you in the stands cheering on our athletes by saying, ah, nice. So I'm going to jump in now uh, and ask a few questions. We've already got... The, some of the questions from the tables. Please fill them out and pass them along. They, these things generally go best when it's a conversation between the people on the, the stage and, and you. I mean, I've got things I can talk to these guys about all day, but this is really about you guys. And I've got a few here already, and of the five I have, four of them are about the legacy of the games. And it's an interesting question. You, I, you both spoke to the, the sort of two sides of that, that on the one hand, it's about my five-year-old who's going to grow up with access to this kind of stuff. But it's also about a young kid who's about to compete on a national stage for the first time. Whose life changes because of these games? Is it both? Is it one or the other? Is it one first? And then, you know, you see what happens as it comes along? I know a bunch of 55-year-olds that think they're five. <laughs> yeah. And uh, using, uh, you know, the, and again, I don't want to speak uh, too much about the velodrome itself. Sorry, David, for jumping no, in, oh, but please. what the heck, right? Um, <laughs> It is, it is uh, you know, the town of Milton did take a bit of a leap of faith with what this facility was through the leadership, again, of a, of a great group of uh, private individuals led by a gentleman by the name of Peter Gilgan, who, yeah. uh, Madame Holmes, who, uh, who led the charge. They raised, you know, $15 million of private money towards the $56 million of this facility, um, inspiring the town of Milton to take on this, this facility. Uh, opened its doors on January 1st, and every program that they've ever offered in that facility has been sold out with a waiting list. Anytime a new opportunity has come up, an opening on that track has come, it's, it uh, is quickly filled and sold out. So there's, there's that element of it, and I spoke then to the other element of it, three full-size basketball courts. It's a true community center. I want everybody to ride their bike and ride their bike safely, uh, but it is my, and, and I think the vision for, for most of the people involved in that particular facility that, uh, that they see that national team training on that facility. They see this the speed and the excitement of that sport, and uh, it encourages them to want to give it a try, and who knows what happens there. It, I mean, you, from an infrastructure point of view, we've got a, an, an improved highway, if not a new one. We've got a new train out to the, to the airport. We've got housing going in, pools, and it, like, is... Are games like this an opportunity for governments to, to get things done that they couldn't possibly have done otherwise? The grim reality is it is a date certain by which governments have to do stuff. There's no <laughs> second chance at this. A lot of this stuff, it would be nice for governments to do, and they're on the long list. But, you know, they tend to fall off mm-hmm. the, the table unless they're prioritized. 
we don't get a second chance to get this right. I think the original vision here was was Dalton McGinty's, and he went to the Olympics, and I think my figures are right, something like only 18% of the athletes were from Ontario. You would assume 40% of the athletes would be. So you ask the question, why? Because there was a real deficiency of facilities. We, didn't, we had one 50-meter pool in Toronto. Sydney, Australia has 27. Now, it's a swimming nation, and in fairness, we have a lot more hockey arenas than they do. So each, each, so each country is different. But now we will have four 50-meter pools, and just in case your kid wants to be a competitive swimmer. And, and so it's the physical facilities and the coaching. Don't forget that amateur sport even today is so much more professional, professional in the sense of more competitive. These kids spend their lives fighting for half a second. That's the difference between greatness and a world championship and, you know, somebody you've never heard of before. But people do it. And then you say, well, why do people do it? And you say to yourself, if you had a kid that was able to compete, would you encourage that or not? I mean, fortunately, I never had the problem of the decision because uh, my kids were in that They league. made the decision <laughs> themselves. <laughs> well, but, you know, I've seen so many fabulous people, and let me just use as Exhibit A, Kurt Harnett, kid from Thunder Bay, Ontario, and look at the influence he's had on his own life. And look at the sacrifice he had to do to be the world champion. He held the world record for speed for something like 10 years. And fastest guy in the world on a track. And if you, you I tell you, if you've ever seen it, you've never, it, these guys go 70, the motorcycle can't keep up to these guys. They're going 70 miles around with no brakes, no gears on these bikes. They're all crazy. Anyway, but look at the, look at the inspiration that Kurt has on young people. Look what a wonderful person he is. And his wife's an athlete too, right? His, athlete, his wife's an Olympic athlete. I'm telling you, man, it's all positive from where I come. It's all positive. Question from the audience for both of you. Uh, if you could win a gold medal, I'm presuming in these games, what sport would you choose? Would you go back and change? Would you, would you? I, I uh, still shave my legs today, and uh, I, uh, I have. We're going uh, to have to take my bike. The facility up. has gone back to the organizers as they do their overlay, but uh, I would love to uh, to take back to the get back on the track and and get back sprinting. I take boxing and I beat up Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, this, no animosity. <laughs> if I've got my math right, you competed in the LA Olympics first and then the Indianapolis Pan Am Games. Was that the order of things for you? Well, my first multi-sport games was the Pan Am Games in Caracas, Venezuela in okay. 1983. So th then that was, I, I thought Indianapolis was your first. So I think a lot of people think of the Pan Am as something lesser than the Olympics, but it, it is a huge international multi-sport media everywhere. What is it like for that to be your first? Like, all these kids are going to come pouring into town here in a month or in 49 days uh, and, and be flooded by this experience. What is that actually like to be a, a first time? Actually, I just uh, had that conversation uh, on Sunday. We announced uh, for the first time ever the women's baseball team. We're at baseball. First time women's baseball has ever been in a multi-sport. In, in a multi-sport games. And uh, I was having the conversation to them about, you know, you go to World Cups or World Championships in a single sport, there's this really 
you know, it's, it's a very narrow focused and specific experience. You're sort of more in control of your schedule and your calendar and all that sort of, and, and the, the training and the, the, the games and all that stuff. Uh, a multi-sport games is a unique experience. And for most of the athletes that go to the Pan Am Games, the, the, let's not kid ourselves, the Olympics is the pinnacle for their, for their sport. And if you do not have a multi-games sport experience prior to the big show, you're going to be thrown into a bunch of different scenarios that are unexpected, that you don't know how to prepare for, and that could throw you for a loop. And it really it is uh, you're subject to different scheduling. The, the 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 event program is different. Training may not happen at the same facility that you're competing in. There's rooming accommodations. One of the lovely ladies on the team asked us a very very you know, naive question about, so is it single room per athlete, which is not the case at, the, at these games, just not feasible. Um, it just, it's those unique, you know, uh, you're eating in a tent that serves 2,600 athletes at one time, and we'll do so probably, these Pan Am games will do so no better than, or better than any other uh, sporting event uh, prior. Uh, we, we've been on top of them to make sure of that. Uh, it's one of those things that it just is a it just is such a unique experience, and for myself was an eye-opening experience that absolutely prepared me for 1984, uh, uh, an Olympic Games where top five was well within my reach, and I went in thinking that if I placed in the top five, that 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 would be um, a great performance, and I ended up on the podium. So it just it I believe that my experience in '83. Uh, catapulted me to that next level. I just had one tiny thing, because he speaks so eloquently about this. He's lived it. Nineteen of these sports are Olympic qualifiers. So we will right. have the best athletes in the world here on the road to Rio. It's not, the, it's not the Olympics, but it's actually, we have three times more athletes come here than they had in the Winter Olympics. They had around 3,000, well, 10,000 athletes and officials. This is a big, big, second biggest gathering of athletes in the world. But it's going to be as good as it gets. I mean, really, really, you're going to see the best. And you're going to have an opportunity. There's an intimacy about these games that there isn't in the Olympics. There's, you'll, you'll be close to them. We have in the stadiums, the facilities. You'll get to know them. You'll talk to them. You'll, they'll be at the parties. You know, it's, yeah. it, it is a, a, a celebration of our common humanity, too. Heck, the, if you're good enough, we'll even put you in. <laughs> <laughs> the, the infrastructure getting... The bricks and mortar done must have been the thing that made your heart go pitter-patter until about now. Is now, is ticket sales the thing that keeps you up at night? No, um, I'm actually, I'm sleeping quite well. I don't know about Saad. Uh, Saad, how are you sleeping? Oh, perfect. perfect. He was sleeping when I was speaking. That's what I <laughs> But let me just say, I'm, our tickets, we have sold now, I think, it's over 400,000 tickets. Um, and... This is ahead of any other games at multi-sport games at this point prior to the torch. So the answer is, you know, a lot of stuff is sold out. As we, you know, it's not in fairness. You know, when we have a, a, a stadium the size of Hamlin that holds 20, 25,000 people, and there's a game between, say, Paraguay and Costa Rica. Are you to expect to fill that? The answer is no. You don't expect to fill that. But all the medal rounds are filling up. And so we think that um, we're on track to, to being right where we expect it to be on the tickets. And it's uh, obviously we're loving it all to come. Well, I think we've run out of time, but thank you both. Mm. It's, been, uh, it's been really interesting, and it's going to be a great 49 days left before we uh, pull this train into the station. So thank you all, thank and you thank you guys as well. Can I just say one thing?
Peter, I, 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 I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. Peter, CBC has been the most fabulous national partner. CBC is doing, honest to God, I mean, if you believe in national broadcasters like I do, they are doing a wonderful job of telling the stories of these games and engaging themselves and bringing out the very best values. So I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you. you. Thank so we, we need whatever plugs you. we can get. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a rare moment to, uh, to, to, to hear David speak so highly of, of the media. Um, well, gentlemen, thank you very <laughs> not, kindly. Not I, all media, not all media. Premier, you, you commented uh, earlier in your remarks, and, and as of others, this is not just about the games. The uh, three days before the games kick off, we, uh, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, in partnership with the uh, Economic Forum for the Americas, will be uh, host to uh, business leaders and, and government leaders from the Americas uh, for those couple of days, and, and, and that information will get out. I'm, I just want to say thanks to, uh, to the three of you for taking time this afternoon, Kirk, for your passion and uh, your commitment, and, and Premier, for the leadership that you've brought here. I think we're all uh, pumped and excited about these games coming to our region. We're proud of it. We're going to do everything that we can to continue to promote and celebrate in it the legacy of these games for all of uh, us and for our children is unparalleled. And, and for that, uh, thanks to uh, the three of you and, and to all of you and the many people who have been involved in, in getting these games here. Uh, I hope to see everyone at some type of event uh, in July. Have a great afternoon, and I'll pass it back to Jen. Thanks, Alan, and I too would like to thank Peter and David and Kurt. Uh, very engaging conversation, and uh, the excitement builds. Following our program, you are welcome uh, to meet with David and Kurt in the foyer uh, and to see the official Toronto 2015 torch up close. Uh, so once again, our special thanks to today's event sponsor, OLG, and in-kind sponsor, Cisco Canada. Thank you for your support. Before I adjourn our meeting, I'd like to draw your attention to the event survey card that's on each of your tables. You know, the Canadian Club is always looking for ways to improve your experience here. So if you would please take a moment to, to let us know your thoughts and comments, we'd really appreciate it. This concludes our program today, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We're grateful to Rogers and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about the club, please visit our website at www.canadianclub.org. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. See you at the Games. Our meeting is now adjourned.